Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Huskies on Tap, a podcast for the Huskies by the Huskies, presented to you by Fatty's Pub and Grill and brought to you by On Tap Sportsnet. I'm your host, Brandon Suarez. You can follow me on Twitter at BDON300. You can follow our main account at Huskies on Tap as well. Today, we're going to be breaking down the 44 to 38 overtime loss to Ball State. Heartbreaking loss, absolutely gutted for the guys, gutted for our fan base, and just pissed off, man. I mean, you go 0-6 two seasons ago, you do a great job in the transfer portal, you do a great job coaching your team up, the players do a great job executing, you win a MAC championship. And then we come into this year with very high expectations, expectations to go back to Detroit and win another MAC championship and expectations to, to get to 10 wins, to find a way to get into the top 25, to have a chance at a New Year's Six Bowl. And the fact of the matter is we're sitting here at one in four. And honestly, I'm hoping and clinging that we can just get to six and six. It's sad. A lot of injuries, mishandling of games, not having the ability to step on a team's throat. I mean, we've heard we've heard Coach Hammock talk in press conferences, God, for as long as the, the first few weeks of last season when we started winning games by one points or a few points here or there. One thing we have not seen from this NIU team is the ability to win a game comfortably, right? In this game – not saying we should have won comfortably, right? But we, we were up by 17, by maybe 14 or 17 points for a vast majority of this game. Like, if I go and look at the scoring summary, so the first time we went up by 14-plus points in this game, it was 15 minutes and nine seconds in when Harrison Whaley got the 52-yarder to start the second quarter. Go up 21 and then it cuts back down to 14 with three minutes left in the half, cut it back up to 17. It went down to 10, up back up to 17, back down to 10, up to 17 for the final time in the middle of the third quarter. And then it got cut back down to 10, but still two possessions with 26 seconds left. Third quarter, Carson Steele run. He was getting whatever he wanted. The broadcast was sucking him dry because he's a weightlifting guy and he has a pet alligator and all this weird stuff. Don't remember him being that big the last time we saw him, but kid's a good football player. He kind of reminds me of the rat dog with like a shit ton of hair and maybe that guy listens to like Led Zeppelin instead or something like that. I don't know. Goes down to three points with eight minutes and nine seconds left in the game. And then boom. Harrison Whaley hat trick, 38 to 28. I'm at work, like, walking around watching it on my phone at this point because I had to work at 4 o'clock. So I got to watch a majority of the game by myself at home screaming at my television. But I wasn't screaming in the first half because we played a really good first half. And we have been a team that started games greatly. We haven't been a good second-half team this year. Third quarter – was our kryptonite a few years ago, and now the third and fourth quarter seem to be our kryptonite. But Waitley gives us a 10-point lead, 
third touchdown on the day, hat trick, phenomenal performance. And I thought it was extremely nasty, nasty business that for the final score graphic, you put the guy who, who probably played the best game out of anyone on the field on the final score graphic, clearly with the frown, did not like that. Put my face on the graphic with like an angry face, even though nobody cares about me or knows what I look like. But you, you don't put the player who had the best player or the best plays of the game and best performance of the game on the final score graphic when you lose. It's not great. Some medial stuff, but that's the type of stuff that I noticed. And I was like, this is terrible. Three minutes later, a little less than three minutes later, give or take 16 seconds, Ben Von Gunten comes out, bangs a field goal, and you're sitting there thinking like, all right, cool, 38-31. We're going to get the ball back with four minutes left. I've seen Coach Hammock squeeze eight minutes at the end of a game out of a clock. We should be able to get this, right? Not able to get the first down, not able to continue the game or not able to kill the game, if you will. And Ball State drives down, scores a touchdown with 36 seconds left. Now, 36 seconds left, three timeouts, a kicker who walked the game off last year. He's missed some kicks this year. He needs that moment to kind of bring himself back. He's four of eight on the year. I feel so bad for him because he's a great kicker, but he's not – having his best season, right? And that happens. There's a reason why you go out and play the games. You can't score every touchdown or or make every field goal, right? But we get the ball up to about midfield with, I want to say it was 18 seconds left and two timeouts. All right. So first down, first and 10 at the 48 after you got 24 yards from Cole Tucker to get you there. You have two timeouts left. The situation is first and 10, 48-yard line, 21 seconds, okay? First down, incomplete to Fabian McCray was drop. So state that for the record. Fabian had a good game up to that, but you need him to make that catch in that spot. It wasn't going to be putting us in field goal range right away, but it would have helped, right? Second and 10, pass incomplete to Cole Tucker. This one, I believe, was a little bit over Cole's head. If I can, if I can visualize it and picture it in my head right now. But you remember, like I said, first and 10, let's run the draw play. They pull that play out on third and 10, and that play went for one yard. It was expected on third down, but I think on first down, the element of surprise, and maybe you throw Justin in, Justin Lynch in there to run it too, maybe that gives it away, but at least leave your options open. You have timeouts that you can't take with you, and you're a power running team, and – you know Coach Hammock loves to run the football, so I don't know why we didn't run the football there. Saved it for the third down, and then we got to fourth and nine, and, I mean, we weren't even close enough for the ball to reach the end zone. The ball died at the 10-yard line. And if we weren't going to score there, I knew that we were not going to win in overtime because college football is a momentum game. College football has many different swings during the course of a game. And if you're not able to roll with those swings, you'll get rolled over. And you saw an offense that for four quarters of a football game, we got what we wanted. Rukowitz had two touchdowns. And Terry, or, uh, Harrison Whaley had three touchdowns, 230 yards on 30 carries. And we could not find a way to win a football game for him. Like, for fuck's sake. It's seriously sickening stuff. You look at it and – even Ethan Hampton, maybe not the best game, 
but still throws two touchdowns, still has 194 yards, and Justin Lynch had 89 yards on the ground. Like, everybody found a way to do their job on the offensive side of the ball. But we couldn't get the stops when we needed them on defense, and then by the time we got to overtime, Ball State had made the adjustments that they needed to make to stop us. And we weren't able to get a touchdown on that first drive in overtime. And John Richardson missed a a kick. And, you know, I'm sitting there thinking it's dead and gone. It's over with. We lost. They're going to maybe call one or two plays, put the ball in the center of the field, and try to kick a 44-yard field goal to walk us off. And one thing that I saw, too, man, after John missed the kick, Every single player within view on tape on ESPN plus was all doing John celebration, the veins they were doing, they were hitting the veins, dude, I was ready to get in the car and just go fight every single ball state football player. Like I did not like to see that, you know, Richie's my guy. We, we believe in the ice man, but he wasn't able to get it done there, but the game wasn't over. They, They still had to make their kick. And it's crazy. Both kickers on the day, both missed two kicks, and we go to another overtime. In that overtime, Ball State scores a touchdown, and we do not. And now we are sitting here looking at one and four down the barrel, and it sucks. It really does because – Now, as you look at our schedule as we're in week five, you probably should have won the Tulsa game. You probably should have won the Vanderbilt game. And I'm actually, like, very scared to go and see what the win probability was throughout this game. But let me pull it up on ESPN because I always pull it up when we make a nice comeback like this, but I have never gotten to see – the reverse end of the spectrum of that for us throughout the game. Oh, here it is. So, the highest point it reached during the course of the game for us was there was two points. At 31 to 14 with 8.33 left in the third, 95.7% win probability for us at that moment, okay? And then, again, even later in the game, at 38-31 with two minutes left, our win probability was 94.2%. So, still up a touchdown. Ball State burns that timeout. And another interesting fact about this. So we started at the beginning of the game with a 57.9% chance to win. And and we, we held the win probability in our favor for until the end of the game, until literally until overtime started until overtime started, even ESPN's FPI, which we know is not the end all be all, but it is an analytics driven, uh, system not just me saying hey we're gonna go out there on saturday and win by a thousand proved or said that we were you know a a good shot to win this game by over 50 percent for the entire game and for a majority of the game we spent the time in the 80s and 90s percentile it's sad it's sickening it's 
it's causing uproar in the fan base, people calling for people's jobs and, and all that stuff. And that's something that we're never going to do on this show, but there needs to be some accountability and you have to be able to win a game that you're up by 17 fucking points in the fourth quarter. Like, what are we doing here? It's like, go out there and do what you're good at at the end of a game. And that's run the football. I've seen it so many times with this team that we can play keep away like a mean kid on the, on a, on recess, keeping the ball away from the kid that maybe wants to, to play catch. I don't know, but in this conference, with this coach, with this with this team as currently constructed and the and the three headed monster that we have in the backfield, you gotta be able to run out the clock on these games and we weren't. And there was no press conference after the game. I wasn't gonna be able to make it anyways because I had to go to work and thankfully I went to work because I made good money that night, but I just I would have Probably gotten hammered in pure uh, pain uh, because that game sucked. And then you also, for for most of my people that are local that are from Illinois that grew up being at IU fans are still at IU fans. The majority of us are Bears fans as well. So you had to remember, too, as that clock hit zero, uh, we haven't even seen the Bears play yet this weekend. And, oh, boy, did they do even worse than an IU yesterday. So, Sad weekend for uh, for football teams here in the state, unless you root for the Illini. But if you root for the Illini, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. So good for them. But I I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Toledo looks fucking good this year. We got Toledo coming to the house this week for homecoming. And I am scared. I don't know what to expect. I'd like for Rocky to come back, but if Rocky's not able to come back, then we got to roll with Ethan and Justin. But I think this team is missing our leader. This team is missing our best player, my fucking quarterback, my guy. He's joining me tonight at Fatty's. But it sucks, dude. Like, this is a team that is way better than their record, and they know that. And they go out there on Saturdays. It can usually play a pretty damn good first two quarters or first three quarters of football, but we have not been able to play complete games, and that's why our record is what it is. And the only way to go up is from here, right? All you have to do is go six and six to be bowl eligible. But we want to win a conference championship. We don't want to go six and six. If I look at the MAC football standings right now, so a lot of people have two games under their belt, or maybe not a lot, but I know a few teams do. So look at it right now. Like, look at this. In the East, Buffalo is 2-0 in conference, but 2-3. Bowling Green, 1-0 in conference, but 2-3. Kent, not a state, 1-0 in conference, 2-3. The entire <laughs> the entire conference is fucking 2-3. That's just disgusting. The MAC stinks this year. And, the, and for the MAC to stink this year and us to be in it in – dead last in the conference, even though it's only one game in, so we won't overreact. It sucks. So we're behind Central, obviously. We play Central behind Eastern, obviously. We play Eastern. Lost the tiebreaker to Ball State already. 
would love just for the life of me for us to beat Western Michigan, have not beat them since the first year that we started doing the show, or honestly, the first game that I covered before I even started the show. So that was that long ago. And then Toledo, they are three and two on the year. And I mean, for our entire conference, they have the best record. So conference is a toss up this year. We have seven games left and you have to win five. No, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You have to, have to, have to win five games out of your last seven. Because if you go from winning a MAC championship last year to five and seven or four, four and eight or whatever the other numbers would work out to be, because I don't think this team doesn't get over four wins. Like, they're going to at least get to, like, six or seven wins. Seven wins they have to win out. But six wins they can go – or, no, seven wins they can lose one. Eight wins they have to win out. Six wins they can lose two games, and they'll still go to a bowl game. So, a couple different scenarios. But when we did the season preview, I did not envision myself sitting here on October 3rd thinking like fuck dude we have to win five games to get to six and six to even be bowl eligible and also to i did not think we'd be at this point of the season without rocky without rudolph without gandy without javon bird who i believe played this weekend but has played a lot and has also been out a couple games we're down so many people. Marcus Cox done for the year. We didn't have J.J. Lip for a few games. Like, there's injuries all over the field. But you have to be able to to step up. And those young players want to play just as much as the veteran players that are in the lineup. And saw Jaden Cradle play this weekend. Looked pretty good. Had some good runs. Had a nice little pop to him. And I really, really just hope that you know, when they, because I'm doing this Monday morning, I had a long weekend. Like I said, Saturday I had to work. I didn't get off work till like 2 a.m. And then Sunday I just took a me day. Just did a, a football day. I had to do Bears on tap in the middle of the day. And then just took the rest of the day to enjoy some games and maybe watch some real football because the Bears did not provide that for me. But doing this here Monday morning, we'll be here this evening with Rocky at Fatty's. Pete Nigro will be joining us, just waiting on him to to lock that in this morning, waiting for his message back. But I want them to get to the bottom of this, man. I want them to get to that facility this morning, probably already done with their workouts, probably already done with practice for the day, and just go out there and treat it like it's their last. Treat it like it's that last practice for us regular folks, senior year of high school, that – you know, this is the last time, you know, you can put this practice jersey on and go out there and have a good practice and, and do the right thing and then go out there and win the game on Friday. For them, they have to have pride in the details, in the inches that it takes to win a football game, in tackling and making catches, in assignment-based football and in complementary football because – the word that I see floating around NIU Twitter and NIU Facebook is that this team is entitled. I wouldn't say that the team is entitled, but there is a different word for it, and it's just escaping me right now. 
But I think the best way in one word to describe NIU football in 2022 this year is greedy. I think we're greedy. I think we need to take what the defense gives us. We need to do what we can do on defense to stop opposing offenses because it's clear that our defense is not a solid unit. And we need to do what we're good at, run the football, especially in the absence of our quarterback. And find ways to win football games by one or more points, goddammit. Like, I thought for some reason or another we were going to find a way to win this game by two points via the two-point conversion. And I could not wait to get to the press conference. I would have just went to listen to it just to at work, even if I couldn't participate, just to hear Coach Hammock say, as long as we find a way to win the game by one point more than the other opponent, that's all that matters in my book. And I don't know, man. It doesn't feel like – well, it's definitely not the same team as last year as indicated by the record, but – Last year, our ability to win those close games was ultimately the difference and ultimately what got us to Detroit and won us a MAC championship. And in this season, we are not clutch in those moments, okay? Probably, like I said, should have beaten three out of the four teams that we lost to on our schedule. And that fourth team is a Kentucky team that just lost our first game of the season, and we gave them a run for their money at their place with a backup quarterback, okay? So, yes, I sound like a broken record. It sounds like the 2020 season where I just kept coming on here after we we got our shit kicked and would just try to spin it and give us all the positive things to look at. But right now, yes, too, I am worried about, like, the locker room. I'm worried about the players, like, losing confidence and stuff like that, losing confidence in their coaching. And I'm worried about the coaches losing confidence in their players. It's a full, it's, it's all full circle right now. Nothing is going well for us and we have to turn it around and we have Toledo this week and Toledo just scored. I do. They scored like 50 points this weekend. Let me look. Okay. They didn't score 50, but they scored 38. Throughout the season, the only two games that they did not score or three games that they did not score above 30 points were Middle Tennessee State – or no, they scored 31 in that one, so I'm terrible at math. So really just two. San Diego State game, they only had 14. And Ohio State, they only had 21. Every other game this year, they scored 30-plus, and they scored 55 on UMass, but UMass is not a state. Although I think UMass beat uh, Eastern Michigan this week, so – that's pretty funny, but I'll give players of the game. And then onward, we must go together. Can't panic. Cannot lose hope. Must just continue to chip away, find a way to win one football game at a time, to hopefully have a chance to go for another MAC championship. But at the very least, we have to get this team bowl eligible. If we do not find a way to get to six and six, hair will start to fall out of my head. But offensive side of the ball, it goes without being said, is Harrison Whaley. 30 carries, 230 yards, three touchdowns, absolutely phenomenal performance. My running back one, someone that is coming back from an injury, and you wouldn't you wouldn't think they're coming back from an injury. They're not skipping a step, not missing a step, doing all the right things out there, 
a leader in that running back room, and someone that I'm happy to call the Huskies running back. Great job out there this weekend, Harrison. Look forward to seeing him do more things here down the stretch. What, a, what an incredible game. And he did everything that he could in order for us to win that football game. On the defensive side of the ball, I'll go C.J. Brown. Uh, C.J. Brown, the week before, dropped an interception that could have changed the outcome of the game. And he got an interception that he ran back into the red zone that at the time maybe didn't change the outcome of the game. But a confidence builder for C.J., something to help pick him up and help pick up our offense and give us a short field. I only think we were able to come away with three points on that drive. But C.J. Brown has become a hell of a player in that secondary. Forward to seeing him continue to grow and continue to be one of the best safeties in the MAC. Special teams, no special teams. But I will say um, Tom Foley has done a great job at punting the football this year. And it seems like the theme, we've had to mention it a lot, but I would like to see John Richardson get back in his rhythm. And if he's not, we do have a backup in Cannon Woodle who came in to do a great job for Richardson when he was not kicking well. So even if it's just temporary or even if it becomes permanent, I think you kind of have to ignite that fire underneath Richardson and get him back to kicking the ball that the way that he needs to kick the ball. Because if you look back, you know, if he, if he makes the 24 yarder in regulation, or if he makes the overtime kick at the time that he kicked it, it may not have seemed like we were going to win the game, but it gives us three more points than the other team and they missed their field goal. So you have to be able to go out there and make your kicks and execute. Like I said, we'll be back this evening at Fatty's Pub and Grill with Rocky Lombardi. I'm waiting for confirmation on Pete Niagara, but hopefully Pete will be able to join us as well. And we got to get to the bottom of this. We got to figure out how this team gets back to who they know they are and who we thought they were find ways to win football games because it's one thing. This is one thing that I saw. I don't remember what account tweeted this, but I was about to drop state straight into the quote, but I saw on Twitter and it was a tweet from a fellow NIU fan. And it said, it's one thing to lose games, right? Like losing is inevitable. You're not going to go undefeated every year doesn't matter what sport you play, you're always going to lose games. And that's not what is so crushing to us as NIU fans. What is disheartening and what is crushing to us is that we're losing games in the manner that we're losing them. We're losing games because of poor game management. We're losing games because we don't have the ability to step on a team's throat. We're losing games because we can't tackle on defense or we can't get stops when we need them or get off the field on third and fourth down. We're losing games because in key situations, we're dropping passes. We're losing games because right now we're playing a lot of players that are inexperienced and we're not, you know, we're, we're very, and experience in different positions. It's not just one position. 
And most importantly, we're losing games because right now we're not playing our best football. And on top of that, the team doesn't believe. Like, as corny as that fucking sounds, right? Like, when it rains, it pours. You lose one game like this, you start losing another, you lose another game like this. And now it's dominoed into the last four games. They told me going into last week they were as confident as they've been. They started the game up 21-0. They were up for fucking 59 minutes of this game. They have to be able to stay focused on details, to stay focused in their preparation, and to go out there and give 110%. And I'm not saying that they don't do that, but this team is better than this. We know this. They know this. Hopefully that they can hopefully they can show that to us this weekend at Toledo. Couple things. Uh, this is a weird week for me. So tomorrow, normally the press conference day that I have, I have a dentist appointment. So I will not be at the press conference, I don't believe, unless I get out early. So I don't think there will be an extra player interview for this week. It might just be a preview episode by me. And then Saturday, I am producing a high school football game from the studio at 1023, at 1023, the Coyote. It's kind of my new gig. Called a few games this past Friday. I got to go in studio and produce the game for them and help them with that side of it. And uh, this Saturday, I actually go back at, I want to say like 11 or 12. I won't be calling the game, but I will be producing the game. So I will be late. But luckily, I work at a radio station that is an NIU football radio station. So I'm sure uh, while I have the game on uh, in in one room that I'm producing, I can either have the game on my phone or, or on a radio in the other room because there's plenty of radios or radio station and uh, I'll be able to, to stay in touch with what's going on until I can get to the stadium because uh, the game does start at 2.30 and I should be there no later than the end of the first quarter. So I might be a little behind on tweets, uh, but once I get there, you know it's on and popping, and I'm going to help will this team to a victory because Lord knows that they need it. I do also want to give a special shout-out to Casper, too. Casper came on the show in the middle of the week. After we were done with the interview, I was like, let's go out there. Let's go out there and get a touchdown for us, right? Get the streak going for uh, offensive players on the show with the touchdown. He did it twice, so you know the first one wasn't a fluke. Casper looked great out there on Saturday. Excited to see what we can get out of him for the next two seasons or season and a half, and excited to see his growth. But Huskies drop a stinker, 44-38. Game we should have won, game we didn't win. And with that being said, we are on to Toledo. 24-hour rule has – it's gone. It's Monday morning. It's your favorite Monday morning quarterback, Mr. Bidon 300. Throw me a follow on Twitter that, at that at – that, at that account. And you also throw us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Huskies on tap. And then come and join us this evening, Monday night, right before kickoff for Monday night football for the Rams and 49ers. Got half price wings, 
half price beer. Or I think it's like dollar pitchers or something like that. I have to look at the combo, but it's no matter which way you look at it, you're saving a bunch of money on wings and beer. And what do you eat and drink when you watch football? Wings and beer. In addition, come out here from our starting quarterback, Rocky Lombardi. Hopefully this is the week that we get him back in the lineup. Ethan Hampton's done an admirable job. And then two, hopefully the offensive lineman is able to, or if the offensive line is able to make it out this evening as well, we'll be joined for a portion of the show by our center, Mr. Pete Nigra. The show will kick off at 645 and it will be done right around 730, right when Monday Night Football kicks off. But again, this was Huskies on Tap, presented to you by Fatty's Pub and brought to you by ONTAP Sportsnet. We really do appreciate you for joining us on this episode of Huskies on Tap. Huskies lose this one 44-38, move to 1-4 on the season. We are on to Toledo. Absolutely have to win this game. We'll be back with you guys this evening, live from Fatty's, and we'll also be back with you guys in the middle of the week to get you ready for this game up against Toledo. We really do appreciate you for joining us. Got nothing else for you guys. And go Huskies. Yeah. I got drink of living lavish in the kitchen whipping magic. I got drink of living lavish in the kitchen whipping magic. Bad yeah. bitch, bad habits. We got London on the track. Start, I ain't asked now for nothing. I took the heart away. Toya put me over, coming with it. The, they took my heart away. Heart away. Heart away. Heart away. Jumping in heart away.